today. I'm glad to feel the presence of the Lord here. I've been praying about this service for about a week, week and a half. And so, as I preach today, I'm going to ask that you would, you would give ear to what the Spirit is saying, because I really feel like I've got a word from the Lord. And I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to make sure that I don't preach too hard today. I don't, I, I, there is a line. I'm not going to hold back from anything the Holy Ghost says to, to say, okay? I won't hold back from what I need to say, but I also don't want to say more than I need to say. But I, I want to get this across. The, the, the weight of eternity has been on me, and I want the weight of eternity to fall on you today as well. My subject, and I don't know if I ever gave y'all a, a slide or anything, and I apologize for that. Oh, you got it right there. Good job. My subject is don't forget about eternity. Don't forget about eternity. Luke 21, beginning with verse number 29. Luke 21 and 29, the Bible says, And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, and if you were to go back and read the entirety of the chapter of 21, you would you would hear Jesus speak about how not one stone would be left on another stone concerning the temple. You would hear him talk about uh, false Christ. You would hear him talk about wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters. You would hear him talk about persecution. You would hear him talk about desolation. Um, but then he says that when all these things begin to come to pass, you're going to be able to lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. He said, when you see these things come to pass, know ye, verse 31, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation, when he says generation, that means dispensation. This dispensation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness or cares of this life, so that that day would come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I preach this morning, don't forget about eternity. I want you to do me a favor today. This is heavy, and I know it's heavy. But I want you to do me a favor today, and I want you to listen to what the Spirit is saying and I want us to come together and I want to make sure that we are open-hearted towards what God would say. Don't, don't put any wall up right now. 
Don't put any filter up right now. Open yourselves up to what the Lord would do in this place. Can we pray that together? Help us today, Lord. Help us today, Lord, to receive your word in its fullness and in its entirety. Lord, in my weakness, I won't be able to say it just right. But Lord, in your strength and in your spirit today, what is not said right can be caught. And so I pray that you would help what is preached at least be caught today, God. Help my weakness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Don't forget about eternity. We are told by the Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Ephesian church. He said this, Awake you that sleep. Awake you that sleep. He wasn't talking to the sinner. He was talking to the church. Today I am preaching to not only the sinner, but I am preaching on this first Sunday of January 2020, I am preaching to the church. In his effort to rouse those that have somehow fallen asleep in their walk with God, Paul uses those words to awaken. He admonishes them further that they should walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. With such strong language that he uses, we in this room today, we should not dismiss these admonitions out of hand as simply being alarmist from the apostle, but rather we should give all the more earnest heed to them and consider the large point that he is making. For Paul is simply in his own way echoing the strong warning of our Lord Jesus Christ himself in Luke 21 to not forget about eternity. He is telling us. He is beseeching us. And I believe if Paul was in this pulpit today he would be preaching it with passion. He is saying, do not become so enraptured by the world that you miss your rapture from this world. And it is possible, even for those of us that consider ourselves Christians, that go to church, that pay our tithe, and we try to be as faithful as we possibly can, it is possible for us to have things of this world that slip into our hearts and our lives. We don't even see it coming. And we may not be caught by drunkenness, though some may be. And if that's the case, you need to, you need to pray that God will deliver you from that. Surfeiting, that may not be you, but if it is, you need to pray that God will deliver you from that. But Jesus said, it'll also be some that it's just the cares of this life that grip them. And it causes that day to come upon them unawares. It is a paradox of sorts. An irony to be sure that the most valuable commodity that we have right now is time. Everybody say time. 
It is the one thing that we can use either to our benefit or to our demise. And the irony is that nothing affects eternity so much as time. For it is by your use of time that you and I will determine our eternity. How we use time has all the effect in the world on eternity. We must be ever careful to not allow our present distresses and to not allow our good fortunes to cause us to lose sight of that which shall ever be. In 1859, then Republican candidate for the presidency of the United States, Abraham Lincoln shared this story in a speech. These are his words. It is said an eastern monarch once charged his wise men to come and invent him a sentence to be ever in his view that he would put upon his signet or his ring a sentence which should be true and appropriate at all times and in all situations. They finally, after coming back to him time and time again, trying to find that perfect phrase that would encapsulate what he was feeling and being told that no, it's not right, they finally came and presented him with the words, and this too shall pass away. What a powerful saying and one that should never be far from our thoughts. This too shall pass away. Whatever it is that you think is so important right now, this too shall pass away. Whatever your life circumstances are right now, this too shall pass away. And because of this truth, I exhort us all this morning, on this Sunday morning, as we hopefully get our years started out correctly, I exhort everybody under the sound of my voice today, I am saying, be certain that you use your time well, because this too shall pass away. Everything that you see, it's going to pass away. If the Lord tarries His coming and you go off the scene, this body that you are in, this too shall pass away. If the Lord enraptures His church and we all, as we are alive and well, go to meet the Lord in the air, then I tell you that this planet that we are on, this too shall pass away. It's going to be burned with a fervent heat, the Bible says. Because of this, we need to make sure that we use time well. For it is not what we say in time that affects our eternity. It is what we do with time that affects our eternity. It's not enough to just say, I love the Lord. I've got to show Him that I love Him. Jesus once said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It is one thing for me to say, I'm a faithful saint of God. But it is another thing for me to show Him 
that I am a faithful saint of God. He said, this is the way that you will know that you love me, that you obey my commands. If I do not obey His commands, I do not love Him. If I do not obey His commands, I do not love Him. I can try to tell myself I love Him. I can get mad if somebody tells me I don't love Him. But it won't change the truth of the fact that He said, if I love Him, I will keep His commandments. And by the way, that is a New Testament Scripture and not just an Old Testament Scripture. Each day that we have is a gift. And in this day, we are all given the same amount of seconds in a minute, the same amount of minutes in an hour, and the same amount of hours in a day in order to live our lives in such a way that we will make sure of where we will spend eternity. The reason God has given us time is so that we can prepare ourselves for eternity. It is not YOLO, you only live once. You live forever, somewhere, sometime. It's coming to all of us. We all will live forever. So we must be careful to use our time wisely. How are we going to use our minutes? How are we going to use our hours? How will we use our days? I wonder if we took an honest inventory right now of what our commitment looked like in 2019. And if we had to stand before the Lord today and give an account of last year, I wonder how many of us would feel good about how we used the gift of time. I wonder how many days of work we missed versus how many church services we missed. I wonder how many special events we took our kids to, but how many Wednesday night kids services they missed out on. I wonder how many petty excuses caused us to miss hearing life-giving words that God gave to this pastor for the saints in this church. I wonder how many opportunities for fellowship we lost out on because we did not value time with God's body. Contrary to what some of us may think, we cannot make it on our own. You are not strong on your own. You are not spiritually sound on your own. And you can get mad at this pastor for preaching like I'm preaching. And I'm trying to do it with love and care and compassion in my voice. You can get mad at this pastor for preaching like I'm preaching, but it doesn't change the truth of what this pastor's preaching. And I preach like this because I love the sheep of the pastor that God has called me to be the under-shepherd of. And I wouldn't want to go to a church where a pastor wouldn't get up and preach like this when it was time. You know me. You know my record at this church. I'm not a hard man. I don't make life difficult for you. But I am a man that wants to make sure that we are fulfilling our obligation to the Lord. We've got to be careful. 
And so you can think you're spiritually sound on your own. And you could go home this afternoon and you can, and I don't, I, I, I trust this would never happen in this church, but you could go home this afternoon and run me down and what I've preached, you can run it down and you can talk about how I don't understand and you can talk about how I just don't get it. But I'm going to tell you, there's a reason the Lord's been dealing with my heart like He's been dealing with my heart. And it's not because I don't understand, and it's not because I don't get it. It's because I'm trying to make sure I take your hand and His hand, and I bring them together, and I allow you to grab hand in hand with the Lord and see you walk with Him. That is the goal of this pastor. You can't make this up with online services. I thank God for the technology that we have now. I thank God for it. Some of, uh, and if you can't be in here and, and you can get to our, our live stream, then that's wonderful and that's great, and I'm thankful for that. But that doesn't, that doesn't ever, uh, that's never going to compare for what happens in here. There is something about being in this room as the word of the Lord goes forth. Something happens in our hearts. Well, I felt it on the podcast. I'm glad you feel it on the podcast. I thank God for that. But it is not the same as being in this room right now and feeling the urgency of this hour and God calling us to a response. And that is what He is doing today. God is calling all of us to a response. He wants to know where our hearts are. He wants to know how committed we are. You can't make this up any other way. No matter how good it is online or on podcast, this is the local assembly that God has called you to. And without this local assembly, you are not the individual that God desires for you to be. I fear that even in the apostolic church, there are many who are forgetting to remember about eternity can't tell you how many people I've gone to through the years and said, I'm just a little concerned. I'm a little concerned. I see some things and I'm just checking up on you. I want to make sure everything's all right. Oh, I'm fine, Pastor. I'm okay. Nothing's wrong, Pastor. It's just, that's just the stuff I've had. It's just been, been crazy and, and it's no big deal, Pastor. can't tell you how many times that's happened only to watch a person begin to drift and drift and drift. Well, I'm not going to drift. You know what? You may not drift outwardly, but you will drift inwardly. Nobody in this room, nobody in this room, including the man that is preaching to you right now, is, is uh, incapable of that drift. All of us have it come upon us from time to time. And we all need to make sure that we don't forget to remember about eternity. Not me, Pastor. I've not forgotten, Pastor. Your words say one thing, but your lack of faithfulness says another thing. I'm not here to shame you today. That's not my, that's not my uh, determination in this service. But I am here to provoke you unto good works. The Bible said that we should provoke one another to good works. I am here to do that. I am here to say, let's do the things in time that we know will affect our eternity. I want to share some truths about eternity today that I pray will awaken us all that we would begin to walk circumspectly 
not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Here's the first truth about eternity I need to preach. Eternity is real. Eternity is real. Don't let some philosophical professor tell you any different. Don't let some co-worker tell you any different. Don't let some backslider tell you any different. I am saying that eternity is real. How do you know that it's real? I know it because Jesus said so. He said in John 14 and 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus told us that eternity is real and that He was going to prepare a place for us. He said, in my Father's house, there are many mansions, and if that weren't the truth, I would have told you so. It is the words of Christ that eternity is real. In this conversation, if you read all of it, in this conversation with His disciples, He says some very hard things. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, he that has and keeps my commandments loves me and shall be loved of my Father. He says, he that loves me not does not keep my sayings. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus trying to say to us? He is attempting to impress upon His disciples the reality of heaven and the necessity of obedience to His commandments in order that we might realize the promise of eternity in heaven. Help us, Lord. Help us, God, to not lose sight of eternity. The second thing I want to tell you is that eternity is no respecter of persons. Eternity does not care how old you are. Eternity doesn't care how wealthy you are. Eternity doesn't care what your position is. Eternity doesn't care how much Bible you know. Eternity doesn't care how important you think you may be or how needed you feel like you are. Eternity takes all kinds. Both Joshua and David, two great men of God, They uttered the same truth in their last days. Each of them said this phrase, Behold, I go the way of all of the earth. As great of men of God as they were, they still had to go the way of all of the earth. They were not exempt from this. Eternity comes for everybody. Man, woman, Rich, poor, child, adult, black, white, brown. It does not matter. Eternity comes for everybody. Nobody's going to miss that day 
that date with eternity. Nobody slips past eternity. Everybody has to go that way. We just buried a great man of God. And we pray for you, Nathaniel. We pray for your family. Praying for Tiffany and the kids. We're praying for Drew and Savannah. We're praying for your mother. We're praying for them. We just buried a great man of God. And it doesn't seem right that eternity took him when it did. I went to their house on Christmas Day and we sat down and talked that evening. And as we were talking, the question everybody has and doesn't mean anybody's not trusting God. It's just the question you all have. We just don't understand why now. Why now? Why when that church is doing so good? Why when they've made such inroads in their community? Why when after three years ago the Lord raised up Brother Chris and and gave him three of the best years of ministry that he's ever had in his life? Why now? I don't have the answer to why now. But I'll tell you this. Eternity came knocking. Thank God that we buried a man that did not forget about eternity. Thank God. Thank God. As we filled that church a week ago on Sunday. Thank God. Preachers got up and preached about a man who remembered eternity. They preached about a man who invested in eternity. He spent his last day serving his community because he wanted to take other people with him to eternity. I'm saying it doesn't seem right to take him at 55 years of age. Yet the Lord said, this is your time. And God brought him home. It is no respecter of persons. It takes all kinds at any time. The third thing I must tell you about eternity is that our life must be lived in the light of it. When you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is strangely silent about eternity. It doesn't really say much about eternity. You're not going to find any talk about mansions in the Old Testament. You're not going to find talks about eschatology in the Old Testament. It's not until Jesus comes on the scene that you begin to hear about eternity. And He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Before He leaves, He says, you need to make sure that you keep this in the forefront of your mind. Live your life with the understanding that eternity is coming for me. Live your life with the reality in view that eternity is going to knock on my door one day and there is a very good chance 
Some people have the opportunity, the blessed opportunity to know when that day has come for them. But there's a very good chance that you and I will not recognize that day. And it'll be something sudden that takes us. And it'll be something unexpected that takes us. I don't want to miss eternity, the right side of eternity. Oh, help us, Lord. Oh, help us, Lord. There was a man in your Bible by the name of Gehazi. He was the servant of Elisha. Elisha had been such a faithful servant to Elijah. The Bible said he poured hands, water on the hands of the prophet. When Elijah came and took his mantle and he, and he threw it across his shoulders as Elisha was plowing, he said, you're to come with me. God has sent me to you and you are to come with me. He did it. He burned the plow. He burned the oxen. He made a sacrifice. He told his folks goodbye and he joined that man of God and he began to walk with him. He was faithful in the things that God called him to. So you would expect that when he became the senior prophet that God would give him someone that was like unto him. And he did. He gave him a man by the name of Gehazi. And there's actually more verses of Scripture about how Gehazi served Elisha than there is about how Elisha served Elijah. You can read more about what Gehazi did as a servant than what Elisha did. But the difference in them is huge. The difference between them is a great gulf because Elisha was faithful through his servitude. But Gehazi got to a point where he was overtaken by what Jesus warned us about, and that is the cares of this world. And Gehazi lost out because he forgot about eternity. When Naaman came and Elisha told him, you need to go dip in that Jordan River seven times, and the Lord will heal you of your leprosy. Uh, he goes... And he does that after some convincing. He goes and he does that. And when he's healed, he comes back to Elisha. And he says, I want to give you raiment and I want to give you money. And I want to bless you. And Elisha said, no, I don't want your stuff. I didn't do this for your stuff. I did it because the Lord spoke it to me. So you can take your stuff and you can go. I don't need your stuff. And Gehazi who had seen so many miracles. Gehazi, who was there when a boy got up off of a bed after the prophet laid himself on that child. Gehazi, who was there for so many wonderful things. Gehazi waits till the man gets out of view. And he runs and he chases him down. And he says, my master's changed his mind. Give to me the raiment and give to me the gold and I'll take it and I will give it to him. And he goes and he hides that for himself. And when he comes back in, there's a judgment that is pronounced on him. The Lord tells him that because you did this, you're going to now receive the leprosy that Naaman had. And what a horrible thing it is for that man when he forgot about eternity. When he forgot about what really, really mattered. I want to stop and preach to everybody under the sound of my voice right now. And I know I'm not just yelling today. And I know we're not all shouting all over the place today. But I hope you are hearing me today. 
I'm going to tell you something and you better hear me and you better hear me good. There is no job that is worth your salvation. There is no amount of money that is worth your salvation. If the job is going to keep me from living for God, then I need to let go of the job and I need to hold on to God. There is no ball club that is worth losing my salvation over. There is no hunting club that is worth losing my salvation over. There is no horse ride that is worth losing my salvation over. There is no hobby. There is no thing. There is no person that is worth losing my salvation over. I want to stop and preach to these young people that have just gotten back from holiday youth conviction. And the Lord was so good to you. And I watched as you worshipped. And I watched as you received the touch from the Lord. And I was so proud of all of you and the way you connected in those services. And I thank God for you. But let me tell you something right now. That better not just be a holiday youth convention experience for you. Because if it is, it's not going to be enough. If it is, you're not going to make it. You better make sure that you get something down deep inside of you that says this is who I am. This is what I believe. This will be where I stand. And nothing will move me from here. Young people, you need to live holy. I don't care who does or who doesn't. You need to. Young people, you know what this pastor teaches and preaches. You need to do it. It's not unimportant. It's not that it doesn't matter. If I preach it over this pulpit, the only reason I preach it is because it matters. I wouldn't bring it to this pulpit if it didn't matter. But if I bring it here, you need to grab a hold of it and bring it into your heart and let God change your life. Solomon was a man. It's interesting. The wisest man outside of Christ. Yet Solomon was a man obsessed with time. Go read it. Read Ecclesiastes. Read what the preacher has to say. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. How do you know? Because I did everything I could to find fulfillment in time. He said, I drank everything I wanted to drink. I ate everything I wanted to eat. I had all the relationships that I wanted to have. He said, I had horses and I had cities and I built buildings and I did everything that I thought would put fulfillment in my heart. But somewhere along the way, I forgot about eternity and I became obsessed with time. And Solomon is a tragic story of a man who should have been the greatest king Israel ever had. But instead, I'm giving you his epitaph today. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, yet the man who forgot about eternity. What good is it doing Solomon today, ladies and gentlemen? He forgot about eternity. Judas... Judas, you had so many wonderful things going on. You walked with Christ. You were personally called to be His disciple. Judas, you had every opportunity. Judas, your name meant praises. 
Judas, you should have been the one leading in praise, but yet you were the one who backslid. Judas, you had it all. What happened to you, Judas? He forgot about eternity. And when you read the last book of your Bible, Revelation, John the Revelator was given this revelation of Jesus Christ in order to remind us about eternity. God closed out the canon of Scripture with a book that would remind us, Brother Bill, if you'll come help me. God closed the canon of Scripture with a book that would remind us of the reality of a lake of fire and heaven. He closed Scripture with a book to say there is life beyond this. And that, ladies and gentlemen, those of you that read your Bible through this year, that is what we finished on, is a book that said, one of these days, it's all coming to an end. One of these days, it's all going to be over. And what then? When time has ended and eternity has begun, what will you do then? So today, I bring that message to this church. I know without a doubt I've heard from the Lord. We haven't been all over the place, but I hope your heart has been feeling conviction as I have preached. Eternity is real. Eternity is no respecter of persons. And I must live my life in light of eternity because it is coming for us all. It is coming for us all. John, you went to Patmos. Why would you go to Patmos, John? I was there for the revelation of Jesus Christ. What did he give you, John? He talked to me about the church in the last days. He told those churches, if you don't get these things right, I will remove your candlestick. How arrogant would we have to be today? How arrogant would we have to be today? Would this man have to be today to think that I couldn't find myself in one of those churches? How arrogant would I have to be to get offended at this message and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. No, it applies to all of us. We better make sure that we don't forget about eternity. Because eternity will last forever and ever and ever and ever. There is no sundown in eternity. It is one long, glorious day in eternity. That's if we go to heaven. But if we miss heaven and we go to a lake of fire, it's a place where the worm dieth not, where your conscience lives forever. It's a place of torment. It's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of continual 
falling and fire. It is a place that nobody wants to go. Somebody sang years ago, I'm on the highway to hell. And they sang it as a badge of honor. I'm going to tell you, whoever wrote that song, one of these days, they're going to look up. Maybe doing it now, I don't know. Maybe you're going to look up and they're going to scream about how wrong they were because nobody wants to go to hell. I am preaching to this church today from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> I'm pleading with you. Don't forget about eternity. Don't cut short on your commitments. We need to rededicate. We need to rededicate today. 2019 is gone. It's in the mirror. 2020 lays ahead of us. Let's do better this year. Let's be more faithful this year. Let's be more involved this year. And let's give it everything we got. Because this life is but a vapor. Here and then gone. Help me make it to the right side of eternity. I don't know what you're all going to do today. But I am through preaching. I want my family to come with me. And we're going to an altar. And the O'Connells are going to kneel down and pray today. And I'm going to beg God, whatever He has to do, don't ever let me forget eternity.